Now it's time for the Disney View podcast. Please move across your car to make room for everyone. Our podcast will begin momentarily. Join Dave as he makes his grand circle tour around the Walt Disney World Resort. Dave is a dreamer and an engineer who enjoys the magic and wonder of it all, but understands Disney's place in history and respects the legacy that's been left. Come along and hear Dave's thoughts about Walt Disney World and see it through Dave's eyes. Please stand clear of the podcaster. Por favor, manténganse alejado del David. And now, here's your host. Hey everyone, it's Dave. Welcome to another edition of Dave's Disney View Podcast. On today's podcast, I wanted to talk a little bit about Galaxy's Edge, the new Star Wars land they've opened at Disneyland. Now, I know that they're going to be opening one at Disney World come August, but right now, the one at Disneyland is open. Now, to be fair, I haven't visited it. I've just been kind of watching it from afar, uh, watching a lot of YouTube videos, reading a lot of online reviews, a lot of blogs, and kind of catching up on it because I just wanted to get a sense of what it was. And I wanted to provide some of my thoughts uh, initially based on what, I, what I've read and seen to this point. Now, the thing is, I, I went into it when, uh, when I first heard about them creating something that was a Star Wars-themed land. I was like, I had this moment in my head where I thought, it's either going to be terrific or it's going to basically suck. And I don't use the word suck. I use it kind of loosely there. It, you know, it just may not be so great. It may be a yawn kind of moment. And I looked around, and as I'm looking at the videos, I'm kind of leaning toward the yawn sort of moment. And that's because when I look at it, I go, okay, so the land is, the land is beautiful. They've, they've themed it really well. But first problem I have is that they called it Batu, which is not a uh, land that we're familiar with. It's not a world that we've heard about in the Star Wars lore. I don't remember Batu coming up in any of the eight episodes we've seen so far, so it's a completely new world. And that's okay, but I thought it was supposed to be somehow close to something we've seen, you know, sort of capture the moment of something we've seen. The second part to that is, uh, I remember when Bob Iger was talking about creating immersive lands, and originally he was talking about them being different in every city so that you would go to different places and different worlds when you visited different theme parks. So if you're in Disneyland versus Disney World versus uh, Tokyo Disneyland, they would be different worlds. And actually, now that I say that, I'm not sure that they're building it at Tokyo Disneyland. But anyway, the point is they would be different worlds. And now I'm hearing that Batu is going to be the exact same clone of what they have at Disneyland, which is kind of strange. You have an immersive Star Wars universe, an extensive universe, and you're going to create the same thing in both places, which is kind of strange to me. It just feels kind of weird that they're doing that and putting it in both uh, locations being the exact same thing. And as I look at the drawings and layouts for what they're having at Disney World and what they already have at Disneyland, it looks like it's going to be almost exactly the same. And that's kind of a little odd to me. If you're going to spend the time and money and effort, why not go ahead and create two different lands and try and get people to go to both or be interested in both? But anyway, that's that was my take on that. So I'm kind of, you know, I'm kind of thinking about the land and while it's really beautiful and they've done some things, it's it's really uh, it's really interesting that they chose somewhere that we're not familiar with and it's just one place in both locations, Florida and California. The second thing was, it seems like this is really heavy on episodes uh, 7, 8, and probably 9 with the way they're doing things. See, there's a lot of influences of the more recent episodes and very little from the, uh, the original trilogy and the prequels. And that's kind of interesting to me because it's supposed to be an immersive Star Wars universe. And for those of us who are a little bit older, the, the original trilogy is where it's all at. 
That, that was the most interesting part. And then they brought in all these people to come to the opening of the Disneyland uh, park. And they were a lot of people who were familiar to uh, Star Wars fans, uh, where you had all these different things. And they were talking about, uh, they had Mark Hamill there, and they had Billy D. Williams, and Harrison Ford, and George Lucas. And so they're really hearkening back to the original Star Wars trilogy. But they don't have anything represented, really, in the Star Wars trilogy. Now, they do have the Millennium Falcon, and that's kind of cool. I'll grant them that. But it's supposed to be the, the Millennium Falcon that exists in Episodes 7 and 8. So it has the different deflector, and it has some other features, and, you know, there's no Han Solo, and I guess Chewie helps at the end, and that sort of thing. So it's interesting that they kind of did it that way. Then I've also heard that they've told people who are uh, want to come into the park at Disneyland dressed as their favorite characters or dressed in something that's appropriate to not do that. Uh, they're turning people away at the gate if they come in dressed in some sort of, you know, Jedi robes and uh, dressed as their favorite characters. They're telling them, don't do that. Come in, you know, just as a guest and enjoy yourself. You can Disney bound if you want to, but don't dress up. And I guess I get that, but it kind of detracts from the overall experience. One of the really cool things that they used to have at uh, the old Hollywood studios in Florida was this uh, Star Wars weekends. And it was really cool because they would encourage people to dress up and to come in and enjoy and be immersed and have fun and be a part of it. And they really did capture the gamut of everything. It was a little bit of all the, the original trilogy, the prequels. Of course, at the time they started, I think it was around the time that episode seven came out when they ended. So, you know, there really wasn't anything from seven, eight, and nine in there. But, you know, they were able to capture a lot of the, uh, the essence of it and let people kind of enjoy it and be a part of it, which was kind of cool in its own way. So that's missing from this because that you're telling people not to go uh, dressed as their favorite Disney characters, which is kind of a shame in a way. I, I get it. I really do get it because you don't want to take away from the experience that Disney is creating, the magic that Disney is creating by having guests walk up to other guests and go, hey, look, you look like, you know, um, Anakin Skywalker. Can I get your autograph? You know, that sort of thing or take a picture with you. you. You want it to be the Disney experience. I get that. You know, I really do. Um, so it's kind of an odd thing that way. Now, the, um, the main attraction there, the Smuggler's Run, I've seen numerous videos of it. And I have to say that I really look forward to walking through the Millennium Falcon because I've heard everyone say when you walk through the Millennium Falcon, it feels like you're really in the Millennium Falcon. It feels like you're immersed in the movie. And that's pretty cool. That part of it I want to see. But for me, the ride itself is somewhat of a motion simulator. And I always have trouble in motion simulators. It's me physically. I have trouble with them. So I don't think I'm actually going to ride it. I'll probably stand in the queue and get to the end and just not ride it because I know that the motion simulator makes me sick. So I probably won't do it. Still have to decide on that. I might give it one try and see how it goes. Sometimes the herky-jerky motions really exacerbate the way I feel and make it really hard. So I have to be very careful about when I decide to ride it. So I can't be the only one who feels that way. I've also noticed that in the actual ride itself, it doesn't, it's not that compelling. There's not a story that really captures you. It's interesting, no doubt. I mean, I've seen the whole thing from end to end many times now. I've probably more than I could count. So, you, you know, you have all these different things you're doing and the audio animatronic guy whose name escapes me is standing up there and talking to you before you go in. And, you know, it's a clever storyline and all that, but it just seems to be kind of I don't know, it feels like it's lacking something. And from what I gather, the people in the two front seats who are the pilots, they can move left and right and up and down, but everyone else just sits in their seats and has a slightly obstructed view and can just push buttons. So you have a total of six people in each cockpit and that's what happens. So, you know, goods and bads. And I kind of look at it like, it just doesn't feel like it has that, that, that 
emotional connection. Like you really feel like you're you know, doing something interesting and part of the Millennium Falcon and you're really uh, the Han Solo character. It just doesn't feel like that. And everybody I've seen come out, they go, it's cool. And then you kind of hear the butt, even though they may not say it. I don't hear anyone saying, oh my God, that is the most amazing thing ever. Now, I have heard people say they really enjoyed it. Don't take that the wrong way. It's just kind of interesting how it's kind of, it feels like there's always just a little bit of a butt in there. Uh, like it's just missing something. And then the people that don't like it really don't like it because they're in the wrong seat or it doesn't feel that immersive or whatever. So I kind of take that away and I go, wow, that's the one attraction they decided to put in there. I'm a little on the fence about it. Um, you know, a couple of people have said they've written it a couple of times now. And after the second or third time, it's like, yeah, that's nice. Because unlike what they've done with Star Tours, where they created these different adventures every time you go in, this one is the same adventure every single time. Now, that's not to say they couldn't change it later, but for the moment, it's the same adventure every time. Now, as far as the uh, dining goes, I understand there's a couple of different dining options, and I think they're still working out the menus. Um, part of it, it feels like it's still a little forced, and they haven't quite figured out what the menus are going to be. They haven't quite figured out the right uh, dishes to serve and the right mix of things to have. Right, good concepts, but maybe haven't come together yet. I've heard mixed reviews about the blue and the green milk. Both of them are uh, uh, plant-based products, so they're not actual milk, so that way everybody can enjoy them. Uh, I think one is coconut milk and one is almond milk or a mix of one or the other. Anyway, with some different uh, fruit flavors in it and, and that sort of thing. And it sounds interesting, but, you know, again, kind of like, I'll try it. I, I would certainly try it, but I don't know if I'd really uh, gravitate to it as something I'd want to have all the time. Of course, you got to have blue milk at some point. Uh, I can remember making blue milk at home when I was, you know, probably, you know, 12 or 13 years old. And I'm like, I got to have blue milk like Luke did because it was so cool. It's one of those things, right? Uh it's, I really did enjoy that in the movie, so I have to try it. And I think I'd enjoy that part of it. Now, the rest of the land is all about the immersive experience and basically sort of shopping. So you walk along and there's the storefronts are there and they kind of look neat and they have, they're kind of hidden in a way where it's not as obvious as some of the storefronts that you have in other places in Disney parks. So you have to kind of know to go into a door and things like that. And that's kind of cool and kind of subtle in its own way. Um, you can go into the bar and you can get a drink there. Uh, it's not the Moss, Moss Isley Cantina. It's somewhere else. So it's not the same sort of feeling. I don't know why they didn't just make it something more like the Moss Isley Cantina or a different cantina that maybe was on Tatooine, something like that. But they decided to make it this way. Okay. Looks like it could be fun to just order a drink there or whatever. The... Uh, Shops, you know, they're just typical merchandise shops, though I guess that, you know, there's a little more thematic thing that happens there. What bothers me a little bit is the two um, grabs they have for money where they're doing something. And I don't mean to sound like a total, you know, uh, nebbish or somebody who's going, my God, Disney's just trying to take your money. They're trying to separate you from your money. But in a way, that's kind of how I feel. First, you have the droid factory. And so you go in and basically for a hundred bucks, you walk in and you're able to pick pieces of a droid off a line and you pick the body. And if you're doing a, an astromech droid, it's two legs and a head. And then you get to assemble it and you go out with a kind of a cool droid that, you know, makes sounds and does some things. And I guess they interact with each other if you have more than one. But at a hundred bucks a pop, it's a little bit on the pricey side to just get a, uh, essentially a toy to play with. And I'm not saying it's not worth it. It's sort of, I'm on the fence about that one. It's kind of neat idea, but you wait in line for a long period of time to go 
assemble your own droid with different pieces and it's kind of like eh, I don't know it's kind of cool but maybe not you know at that price point it just feels like maybe it's a little high maybe I think I'd have to see it but of course you have to pay before you go in so that's kind of an awkward thing you have to do the other one is where you're building your own lightsaber and that one is around two hundred dollars and you go in and you uh, you get a base and you you create your um, your uh, uh, your hilt for it, the piece the, that you hold in your hand, and then you put your your crystal in it. And there's a whole thing they do for like 20 minutes where they talk to you about how to build it and this and that and the other thing. And then you put your you put your actual uh, end piece in it. That's the lightsaber part. And then you turn it on and it lights up. And I think it's a cool idea. I could buy that same thing, or I could have bought that same thing, or I did buy that same thing for about 20 bucks, maybe 30 bucks, at Toys R Us back in the day when they had the lightsabers they were selling. And they would extend, and it was almost as cool. Maybe it was even cooler in some ways, arguably, because you could do different colors and different things. And it was a lot less expensive. I think they had some really high-end ones that ran as high as $100, but these are $200. And I'm kind of like, wow, it's a very expensive proposition to go in and make it. And I was watching one uh, person reviewing the, the whole experience. And he said it was fun. It was great to get in there and uh, make the thing. And it was really cool when he got out. But there was some oddities about the, the plastic that they used to uh, create the hilts and so forth. And there was one situation that happened for him where the person said, oh, this is all made from, you know, the cast member said to them, this is all made from junk we've collected around different places. So you may need to go to a... Uh, a the store on your home world that sells washers to fix it. And it's like, really, I have to go to Home Depot and I have to buy a washer to fix something that I just spent $200 on? Come on. Something about that just bothers me right at the core there because it, it just feels like they kind of came up with a cheap way to make something that they can make a lot of money on. And, you know, they're trying to uh, promote it as something. Now, I've watched the videos of them actually making them, too. And the way that they do the show, it's about the presentation, right? They're doing this whole presentation. They're doing this thing. And you make it and you get to go home with it. The question is, what are you going to do with that lightsaber when you get home? What did you ever do with any of the lightsabers you have? You probably collected some over the years. What did you do with them? You know, maybe you put them on your wall like Howard Wallowitz in The Big Bang Theory. Or maybe you, uh, maybe you just put them in a closet somewhere. I know I have a couple in my garage that I picked up along the way. And those were more of the low-end ones, you know, the ones that were in the $10 range. But I have about six of them out there. And you know, I just wonder, what would I do with one if I got one like this? Now, they do sell the individual components without going through the show part of it for less money, and then you kind of assemble the pieces you want onto it so you can get the uh, you can get the light, the light end to the piece that lights up to go on the end and whatever. And you make it yourself and it's less money. You can get away for, you know, probably around $100. So that might be a better choice and they're supposedly better made. So, but you don't have the experience, right? So it's kind of like, I feel like I look at the land and I go, okay, that's great. You have this, uh, what could be a fantastically immersive land that would be really cool to see. And you have so far one attraction two things where you can spend a lot of money to get something to take home with you, and then a bunch of shops and a couple of restaurants. And it just feels like it's missing something. It feels like when they first opened the world of Pandora, that was my first reaction. It was sort of a yawn, right? It's like, oh, this is really nice. Now, I knew nothing about the world of Avatar. I'd never, I had seen the movie, but I didn't really care for the movie, didn't really care for the storyline. I actually if I haven't told you this, I've turned the movie off. I did turn the movie off when it was going uh, through. I was watching it on DVD and I was like, wow, this is boring. And I just turned it off because I got bored with the whole thing. 
eye candy, no doubt. And what Disney did with it, as far as the eye candy goes, is very cool. But it's lost on me because I didn't pay any attention to the movie because I didn't like it. So it's kind of that whole thing there with the Avatar Land uh, or the Pandora World that I didn't really care for in a way. And so I look at the Star Wars land and I go, I feel kind of the same way, except it's a universe that I'm very familiar with. I grew up a Star Wars fan. Star Wars came out when I was 10 years old. And I've seen every movie. I've read almost every book. I've, you know, I even watched the Star Wars Christmas special, as bad as that was, because I wanted to be immersed in the Star Wars universe. And I found the Star Wars universe to be fascinating. The prequels kind of spoke to me in a way, if you kind of take the abstract look and you enjoy them, you can you can still watch them. They're still watchable, even if I don't love them. And then seven and eight, I kind of rolled my eyes out a little bit, but I still watched them and I still felt, you know, for the characters and that sort of thing, because it was still part of the Star Wars universe. And I want to love them, but I don't. And as I look at the Star Wars land so far, my impression is I don't love it. And I don't even know what to make of it at this point. So it's just sort of my perspective. I'm looking at it and I'm going, I'm willing to give it a fair chance when it opens in Florida. I'll go to it. I'll go check it out. I want to go see what it's all about. I want to see what it is. I want to try it. I want to experience it. You know, maybe the uh, the second attraction they, uh, they build there, it's the Rebel, um, what do they call it? It's the Rebel Alliance or something. Um, maybe that one will be really cool. Maybe that'll be really neat and it'll be worthwhile and kind of offset everything and make you feel really good about everything. I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of like looking at it and going, yeah, and it just feels like it maybe needs something else. And maybe when you're there and you're actually experiencing it firsthand and you're walking around and you're geeking out, maybe it works out. You know, that's the other side of it. Sometimes being immersed in this, in these environments makes it that much better. Now, I'm not saying I would have done anything significantly different. I'm no design expert. I'm only looking at it sort of with my own critical eye. Being an old-time Star Wars fan and being a long-time Disney fan, too, it's sort of that you mix the two together and you expect something spectacular. And I think that's what it comes down to for me. Is I, My expectations were really, really high. Probably too high, to be honest with you. I probably set my expectations in a place they shouldn't have been set. But I set them there anyway because Disney and Star Wars had both set them very high for me. So the bar was enormously high, and I don't know that they reached that bar. Now, maybe if I looked at it a little, with a little bit more fresh perspective and said, hey, I'll just enjoy it for what it is, perhaps I would actually enjoy it. You know, like I said, there was a number of little things that I looked at and I said, uh, you know, you could have done that better. You could have done that better. And if I if they did those things right, maybe I'd have a different opinion about it. And again, maybe over time it, it evolves a little bit. They make a few changes, a few tweaks, a few things here and there that would make it better. You know, when you first open it, you don't know what you can get exactly. You try everything. They, they give it their best shot. And sometimes they have to tweak things to make them better. You know, you tweak a menu or you tweak a this or you change that. You make the experience a little bit differently immersive. Maybe you start adding in some new characters that you didn't have there before. Maybe all of those things come together to make it a, a more complete experience. So perhaps they can still recover and do things better. And that's why I'm willing to give it a chance. I'm not going to just poo-poo it and say I'm never going to go see it because I don't feel that way. I still want to check it out. I still feel like it, it has so much potential and it could be really great and it could be just okay too and that would be all right. Uh, I just want to see it when they finish it and when they open it in Disney World, I probably, you know, they're going to open it in August. It's going to be really crowded. As an annual pass holder, I'll prob probably be blocked out for a period of time unless something happens and I get really lucky. Um, so I probably won't get to see it until sometime next year. So I've got, you know, 
six or eight months after it opens to figure out, you know, what I think about it and see the videos that come in from the Florida rendition of it and start seeing what I think about it. And then again, it might work out that I get to go earlier and uh, get a chance to see it. And that would be cool too, because then I could actually experience it firsthand and see what I think. But so far, my own perception of it is just, it's unfortunate that they didn't quite meet what I was hoping for. And it's a very personal thing for me. Like I said, I lo- I'm a long-time Star Wars fan, and I'm a long-time Disney fan. So the bar, I had set it arbitrarily high in my own mind. And that's on me, I mean, to a large degree. Uh, Disney can't be faulted for trying to, you know, accommodate as many people as they could and make the right experience, that right mix of experiences for everyone, where I had set my own expectations much higher than that. So, you know, that's, that's on me, really, and I have to figure out how to adjust to what they're going to do and what it's going to look like. But I do look forward to seeing it in Florida, and I want to check it out at some point. I just wanted to provide some thoughts because I was kind of thinking about it as I was watching all these videos, and sometimes it's, you know, you watch and you go, yeah, I just want a little more. Yeah, come on, you can do a little better. Yeah, come on. And I feel like they're still sort of missing on some things, but like I said, maybe they'll figure it out and get it all worked out. Maybe. So we'll see. So I'm curious if you, any of you have been to it and if you have any thoughts. Um, if you do, feel free to email me. It's davesdisneyview at gmail.com. I'll provide uh, updates in a future podcast about any of your thoughts. Um, there's also uh, the ability to call me and leave a voicemail message if you want. And I'm trying to remember how to do that. You'll have to just uh, hang, hang on for a second while I look that up. Okay, so after looking this up, it looks like all you have to do is while you're listening to the podcast, you can, uh, there's actually a link there on the Anchor page on any of the distribution channels that you have where you can actually say, uh, provide feedback. It'll take you over to the Anchor page and uh, you should see it in the show notes. And then you can uh, record a voicemail for me if you're interested in giving me some feedback. So if you do provide me feedback about the uh, Star Wars land, I'd be happy to play some of them on the air on our next, on my next podcast or a future podcast, depending on how many of them come in. If you want to be anonymous, just tell me that and I won't, uh, I won't include it. Uh, but uh, just wanted to throw that out there as an option because I'm curious to see what some of you think about the Star Wars land. And if you've been there or you've seen some of the videos and you have a different opinion or even the same opinion, I'd be curious to see what you guys think. I just wanted to provide my thoughts uh, right off the bat, you know, after watching a whole bunch of videos. It's been open for a couple of weeks now, and I'm kind of like looking at it and going, okay, I think I've seen enough to make a sort of a snap decision, sort of. Uh, but I think I, I want to see more and I want to check it out myself and see what I really think. So we'll see. But anyway, that would, that would be what I'm thinking about it. So please feel free to provide me any feedback. And of course, you can send me an email if you prefer, davesdisneyview at gmail.com. I'd be happy to take that too and read through your emails. I'm just curious to see what other people think about it. Well, that is my show for this week. I hope you've enjoyed it. And remember, if we can dream it, we can certainly do it. Bye now. Thank you for tuning in to the Disney View podcast. We hope you had a pleasant stay and arrive home safely. Please remain seated until your ride vehicle stops completely. Then, gather your personal belongings and step out onto the moving platform. And yes, I know it went by so quickly, but don't worry. One of the nice things about traveling on this podcast is that the journey is just beginning. Show notes are available on DisneyWorldPodcast.net. While there... Please check out some of our affiliates. You'll also find links to Dave's iPhone and iPad apps. There's an app for pin trading, 
one for finding hidden Mickeys, and an app for finding and tracking pressed pennies around the Walt Disney World Resort. And you never know just what Dave is working on next. If you have questions, feel free to drop Dave an email at davesdisneyview at gmail.com. Original music you're hearing in this podcast is Oslo Doom by Gilberto Gil. Of course, this is a fan podcast and in no way affiliated with the Walt Disney Company.